You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode two of the Million Praying Moms podcast. We are so happy you've tuned in today because we have a special show for you. We recently polled a large group of Christian moms about their prayer lives and found that many of the moms who have been Christians for a long time don't actually have the kind of prayer life they believe they should have. Yeah, I think the thing that really grabbed me the most from all those responses were the moms who said, I'm just not sure I see the value of prayer anymore. I've prayed for years and God just doesn't seem to answer me. You know, that was really heartfelt and very vulnerable. And I can admit, Erin, that I felt that way too sometimes. They really stopped me in my tracks as I thought about those answers because I can relate to them. I think maybe we've all been in a place, um, whether it's a long season or a short season, where we're just not sure God's hearing our prayers. I certainly know that I have. I can think right this minute of one prayer request, one major prayer request that I've had that I've been asking the Lord for for close to 20 years now. 20 years. And there really hasn't been much of an answer to it. It can be hard to hold on to hope in circumstances like that. And I think if we're honest, we have to admit that all of us have gone through seasons of discouragement. Yes. And I can relate with that. I've had a prayer request for how old am I? I'm 38. So about 20 years as well. But I haven't seen an answer yet, but I'm not giving up hope. And that's why we need to hear stories like Kelly Stewart's. For years, Kelly and her husband, Lee, have felt led to adopt a child. The journey toward the fulfillment of that dream is filled with very high highs and very low lows. And Kelly will be joining us today to tell her story. Our hope is that you'll be inspired by it and find the hope you need to keep praying. So today's episode is sponsored by the 2019 Summer Edition of Pray the Word Journal. That's right, guys, the summer edition of the Pray the Word Journal, leading us in prayer through the book of Psalms, is available for pre-order. I am so excited about this one, Erin. Everyone loved our wisdom edition, which took us through the book of Proverbs, which I just thought was so good. And it's just perfect to me. It makes perfect sense to me that our summer edition would be kind of our comfort edition, right? Leading us through the Psalms. So Pray the Word Journal is designed to take you through 90 days of prayer. Each Pray the Word Journal gives you a quarter of a year of prayerfully carefully curated prayers so that you can see the hand of God clearly in the various seasons of your family's life. You can impact your family's life for generations to come in just about 10 minutes a day. And you can go ahead and pre-order it now at praythewordjournal.com. Yeah. Inside the summer edition, we will pray for our children to, let's see, have their emotions shaped with the truth of God's word, have their minds shaped to see the world through the lens of truth, see and understand God in all his majesty, 
delight in the law of the Lord, find true peace, understand where to find hope, have a heart of thanksgiving, to be humble. I could go on and on. There's so much more. Um, From busy working moms to stay-at-home moms with little time to themselves, brand new moms to moms whose children are already out of their homes, Pray the Word Journal has helped all moms make prayer a practical priority. Go ahead and pre-order yours today at PrayTheWordJournal.com. All right, let's dive into our show today. Kelly Stewart is a longtime friend of ours and the author of Life Creative, Inspiration for Today's Renaissance Mom. That was a great book. I loved that book. And Like a River from Its Course, which is one of my favorites of, of hers. I loved it. Her fiction book, this is a fiction book that takes the reader on a captivating journey into the little known history of Ukraine's tragedies during Hitler's reign through the eyes of four compelling characters who experienced the same story from different perspectives. It was really a fantastic book. I read it in like one sitting. I think I was on an airplane when I read it, and it was so good. It won the 2017 American Christian Fiction Writers Carol Award for Best Christian Fiction of the Year and is definitely worth the read. Kelly, welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for that introduction. You're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. We are we are ready and excited to talk to you about the way that prayer has woven its way through your story of adoption. And as you and I have been chatting over the last few days preparing for this podcast, you mentioned to me that you have wanted to adopt since you were 15. And I just feel like that's a great starting point. Tell us that story. How did you know you wanted to adopt at such a young age? Well, the first time I went on a mission trip to the former Soviet Union, I was 15, and I went to Minsk, Belarus with a youth organization, and you know, we did Bible camps and the stuff that you do on mission trips. One of the days that we were there, we went to a local orphanage and worked with the kids, and there was this little blonde-haired boy named Sergei that um, was probably around four, and he just... He liked me and I liked him and we hit it off and we did not speak one another's language, but somehow we understood each other and he just held my hand all day and he sat in my lap and uh, I just remember being so taken by this little boy and I remember when I left thinking I'm going to adopt a child someday like it just I just sort of had this thought like yeah that's what I'm gonna do um, and it never crossed my mind that it wouldn't happen. I just thought, okay, yes, this is it. And by the end of that trip, I had so fallen in love with the former Soviet Union that I was planning to minor in the Russian language in college, which I went on and did. And I went on to study in Kiev, Ukraine. And while I was in Ukraine, I worked in some orphanages some and um, and all the while just thinking I'm going to adopt someday. So when my husband and I got engaged and, you know, you start talking about the future and making plans. And, um, and I just told him, well, one of our children is going to be adopted and it's going to be adopted from Russia. And he was like, well, okay, we'll see. Like this was not anything he'd ever really thought about, but he was open to the idea. Um, but that's kind of where it all started. It was right there. I just, I just knew I, it's not something that I prayed about. Um, I, in fact, I, in those early years, I never prayed, Lord, do you want me to adopt? It was just sort of like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do this. Yeah. So, and your journey to adopt then had a lot of ups and downs, including some failed attempts and you have um, biological children as well. So tell us about 
that journey to actually adopting and how that affected your family? Yeah. So, you know, early on, because like I said, I, I, I just knew I was supposed to do this, but my husband didn't necessarily feel the same way. And so early on, a lot of my prayers centered around praying that the Lord would bring his heart to the same place that mine was, um, which is not necessarily a good way to pray. <laughs> it's not a good way to pray for your spouse because I was so under the assumption that, um, that my, what I felt was my calling was right, that I never really allowed my husband to take a journey to get there. Um, and so we did, we, we started having our biological children. And after we had two, I sort of broached the topic like, Hey, I, I really want to adopt. When can we do this? And he's like, ah, I'm not ready yet. I don't feel like we're done having biological kids. And then we had a third and, and we had always sort of talked about like, we'll have four kids. So after the third, I was like, okay, well, I'm done. So it's time to adopt. And, um, and it took a few years and, you know, again, I, the whole time just praying that the Lord would bring his heart to that place. And I was set on Russia. Like it just never made sense to me that we'd go anywhere else. I spoke Russian. I was writing a book set in the former Soviet union. Uh, it, that's just what made sense to me. And, uh, over and over, I felt like people were trying to discourage us from it. And they were telling us how difficult it was to adopt from Russia and how expensive and it had gotten the more time that passed, it was getting increasingly more difficult to go into the Russian program. And I felt like the clock was ticking. And so I started to get frustrated with my husband that it was taking him so long. And in 2012, I went to Tanzania with Compassion International and I came back and I told him, I said, it's just time. I, I just really feel like it's time. And I, I asked him at that point to please pray about it. And so he took a little while and he came back to me and he said, listen, I do not feel like I have a yes from the Lord, but I also feel like I have no reasons to say no. So let's just take steps forward and see what happens. So we started the process and I was like, yes, this is it. I'm finally doing what I know God has called to me to do. You know, it was sort of like I had um, misused the <laughs> Jeremiah verse for I knew the plans that the Lord had for me. <laughs> yes. Um, and so we started taking steps and it was, it was a nightmare at that point to adopt from Russia. It was, it was incredibly expensive. We didn't, we were not financially capable of doing it, but I just kept thinking, that's okay. This is what the Lord's called us to do. He will provide. Like it just never occurred to me that we weren't supposed to do this. Um, and we completed our dossier and there were some rumblings that things were happening in Russia. But again, in my mind, it was no, the Lord put this on my heart when I was 15 and uh, we're going to do this. The Lord's going to make this happen. And January 3rd, 2013, uh, Vladimir Putin shut down adoptions to Americans. I remember um, that day. I, I remember. It was horrible. I feel like we were, um, we've, like we mentioned, we've known Kelly for a long time. And I feel like I would have had no idea about what was going on over there, except that God gave me this window into it through your life. And it was, it was horrible, but it opened up my, my, mind and my heart to the realities of how hard adoption actually is and to watch you guys in the middle of it 
and to see that a country could actually just say, nope, nobody, no more kids can get adopted from here was just absolutely heartbreaking to me. And I was just watching it happen. And so I feel like, um, I feel like that is such a testimony that you guys kept going after such a heartbreaking experience. Well, and during the whole process where we were filling out the dossier and all the paperwork, I felt like the Lord had laid on my heart a little girl named Annika. And um, so I was praying the whole time that we were going through that process in 2012, I was praying for a little girl named Annika. And um, I, you know, we had specified that we wanted a little girl. So I, I was just praying and I was I, I desperately wanted a sister. We have two boys. We, at that point, we had two boys and one girl. I desperately wanted a sister for my daughter. And my daughter was the first girl born in the Stewart family in five generations. Like she broke the mold. I figured we'd never have another girl again. So my only wow. sister would be through adoption. Um, so the whole time I was just praying for this little girl named Annika. And after it all fell apart, I was devastated. Um, and at the same time, there were some other things that happened personally within my family that kind of caused this swirl of emotions to where I just got very disoriented with God, um, very angry with God. I felt like I had been tricked. Um, I felt like I had been taken to this place and I had been given this calling that seemed so sure. And then it had been pulled out from under me. And I, I didn't understand. I felt like I'd done something wrong, that I was being punished. And um, so I spent about nine months in 2013, really wrestling with the Lord, just really questioning his goodness and, um, why he would do that. Um, and I finally came to a point, um, where I didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer why it worked out that way. Um, it, it didn't make sense to me, um, why we were doing something that was a good thing and it, it didn't come to fruition. Um, why I had such big faith that even though we didn't have the funds for it, I had huge faith that the Lord was going to provide. Like I didn't feel like I was being irresponsible. I really felt like it was just a faith thing. Um, and I, I felt like the Lord was finally just whispering me, um, I'm good because I'm God. I'm not good because I give you what you want. Hmm. And I had to come to a point in my prayers where I could say, yes, Lord, you're good because you're God. And, and I had to stop there and, and, and just acknowledge that he's good because he's God, not because of what he gives me. I think we have that to pause right there and really dig in because that's the key right there. That's, you know, we, we started this show by talking about how there's so many moms who've just given up on prayer. They've, they've had that big faith at points you know, along the way and things have been taken out from underneath them. Their legs have been kicked out from underneath them. Something, it, it, you know, it seems like the very things they're asking for are maybe the things that God's taking away and, and, and they're good things. I think it was important that you said that we're not asking that, you know, we're not talking about moms here that are asking for things that are just selfish or just, um, just for their own glory. You were asking to make a difference in the life of a child. Sometimes there are people who are asking for someone to come to salvation. They're asking for a healed marriage or for a child to be healed of, of a disease. These are not bad things that we're asking for. And yet we all have to come to that point where we, where we realize, you know, or where we ask ourselves maybe, why are we worshiping God? Is it because 
of what he can do for us, that he can fulfill our dreams, that he can, um, you know, bring us the things that we want, that we can snap our fingers and he can fix things in our lives, uh, even good things that need to be fixed. Or are we worshiping him because of who he is? And can we separate what's happening in our lives from the character of God, which doesn't change. All the things in our lives change, but the character of God doesn't. And so I love that I, I love that you said that because I do feel like that really gets to the heart of what so many of these moms are experiencing when they come to a place and they say, I'm just not going to pray about this anymore because I'm not even sure I believe that God wants to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how- how- oh, go ahead. <laughs> Well, I know I was just going to reiterate, it's, it's true. It all boils down to God is good because he's God and he is going to get the glory, mm-hmm. not me. He is going to get the glory for what he chooses to do and the good things that he chooses to do. And uh, sometimes his goodness is revealed in our pain. And so, um, that's a hard place to come to because usually we have to get there in the middle of pain and heartache. Um, that's when we have to come to that place. So how would you say things changed for you once you came to that place? You know, you said that you're going through the pain to get to that point. What changed in your life after that? And how did you move forward? It, it wasn't quick. It wasn't a quick process because I still really felt strongly that we were supposed to adopt, but now I was very confused. Um, so, you know, I got to the point where I was like, okay, God, I'm not mad at you anymore because I trust that you're a good God. Um, but now what, what do we do now? And so that next year in late 2013, um, you know, we'd lost a lot of money in the adoption process. So it wasn't anything where you can just like hop up and start again. Um, So we actually partnered with an organization that brings um, children from orphanages over to the States for a cultural experience. And um, sometimes they can be adopted through that. We actually chose a girl from Ukraine to come stay with us for Christmas that year who was, she was too old to be adopted, but we chose to bring her in and just kind of show her the love of a family. And, um, and while she was with us, um, this goes to show that the Lord has a sense of humor because actually right after, like the day after we put her on a plane to send her home, she'd been with us five weeks and um, we found out we were pregnant um, and we were not planning on having another baby. But wouldn't you know, when I had a Ukrainian orphan in our home, we would get pregnant because God thinks that's funny. Uh, <laughs> so, Um, so that was sort of like, okay, I didn't think we were going to have another one. So at that point, again, in my mind, we were only going to have four children. And now we were supporting this girl in Ukraine. And, you know, she called us mama and papa, and we were trying to help her get through school. And, um, and so I, I was still very confused. I was like, okay, Lord, but I thought we were supposed to adopt. And now I'm having another baby. So now we're going to have these four kids. And like, that's our cap, right? Like, Nobody has five kids. Those people are crazy, right? <laughs> um, and lo and behold, we had another girl, surprisingly, and we named her Annika. So that girl, Annika, that I had been praying for two years earlier is now our four-year-old daughter, Annika, um, who was an unexpected surprise. But the Lord had laid her on my heart. All those years, I get emotionally even think about it, like, I was praying for her before she was even conceived, but it wasn't what I, what I thought. 
I love that. And she's also like, y'all seriously, you probably should go follow Kelly on Instagram. She's the cutest thing in the world. Like she's got these huge eyes that are just precious. She's so, so sweet. I love her so much. I feel like I know her and I've never met her, but just from watching you, like, you know, it's just been such a treat to watch that. And I knew that that's where the story was going. And I love that, you know, sometimes God lays things on our hearts and we feel like we're praying for one thing and we just know that that's what we're praying for. We're so sure we have that big faith and yet God is leading us in a completely different direction and you really got to see that in a powerful way. And I, I love that part of the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's such an unexpected delight. So one of the things we hope to do with these episodes is to inspire moms out there who may be feeling like prayer doesn't work for them to believe it is possible again. So Brooke and I share that we both had seasons in our lives where it felt like God just wasn't answering or that the things that we were asking him for were the things he was taking away. I have a similar experience. It wasn't related to adoption, but when you were talking, I thought I have had that experience where he brought us to something we thought was supposed to be a good thing he had for us. And then he took it away. And based on your experience, what would you say to a mom in that place? Oh, you know, I, I think it's all about our perspective and um, we have to constantly be be checking ourselves in prayer because I'm a big believer in praying boldly. Um, and, and I've learned over the years to, to pray very boldly because I believe that the Lord calls us to speak to him boldly. If you read scripture and read the, the prayers of the people that have come before us, um, they're, they're bold prayers and, and they really, they speak to God out of anger. They speak to God out of praise and he, he can, he can take all of our different kinds of prayers, but we always have to be sort of checking where am I coming from in this prayer though and um, like I said for me for so many years I was coming from a place where um, I was just certain that I knew what the answer was before I prayed for it Um, and and now you know my prayers are much more tempered with the understanding that he is God and he's good and he is going to be glorified in my life, he's going to be glorified in my family because he's not going to share his glory with anybody. Um, and so I think in those moments where it feels like he's not listening, those are the times where we need to lean a little bit harder into him, not into what we want or what we're asking him for, but just into him. I love that. And I think it's so true. We, you know, even in our selfless moments, when the things that we're asking God for in prayer are not bad things, they can still have a selfish element to them. You know, they can still serve our purposes best. And it's just so easy to lose or, or maybe the better word is refuse to acknowledge that we just don't see the big picture. We can't, we, we can only see what's right in front of us. Faith gives us the ability to believe that there is something better coming that God has that, you know, that his plans for us are good and, and that therefore his glory, but we sometimes just can't get in that place where we can see beyond the moment to, you know, believe and trust that what God's doing, even though it doesn't feel good right now, even though it's not what we wanted to happen is still for our ultimate good. And that comes back to just that place of resting in God's character and, and trusting 
that no matter what's happening in our lives, you know, that piece of him, that unchanging piece of him can be trusted. Okay, Kelly, let's talk a little bit about Sawyer now. I love to walk through and just reflect on this story of this precious boy that you guys now have in your home as as your child that you've adopted. And, you know, Aaron and I had the privilege of just a glimpse of what you guys were going through as you went to China to get him and everything that that required of you, because we're in a prayer group together and um, you were sharing and, and we were able to actually be praying for you in real time as you were, you know, on this trip and, and, and bringing this precious boy back to your home. And I think what really strikes me about that story, about the story of Sawyer, as it relates to everything we've just talked about, is that as I look at it, it seems like to me to be a fulfillment of prayer, years of prayer, years of submitting to God's timing as you, you know, believed that you had been called to adopt and and yet it was delayed over and over again. But what I see is that even when you were getting to live out the fruition of your prayers, the fulfillment of years of prayers, there was still a requirement on God's part for more submission more surrender to his timing and his perfect plan. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that as we move into this next section. Yeah. So, um, you know, after, uh, after we had Annika, I, I sort of thought that adoption was off the table. And, um, and I mean, so again, I started wrestling with the Lord again, like, Lord, I, what do you want? I don't understand because the, the desire and the longing is still, was still so strong. And my husband still really didn't feel it. And then we had, you know, we had a new baby. And, um, so I, I started again, I, I had to switch my prayers from Lord change my husband Lee's heart to want what I want to Lord change my heart. And if we're not supposed to adopt, take it from me and take the desire from me. I don't want it if we're not supposed to do this. And are we supposed to foster? Are we supposed to? And I had to really like widen and broaden what I was praying for the Lord until finally my prayers just boiled down to Lord, whatever you have for us, I'm in. Yes. And, um, and, and, and that was all encompassing. If that's no more children, if it's, we just support foster parents, if we foster, if we adopt, if we adopt domestically. So finally Lee and I were talking one day and Lee was like, you know, I just feel like we need to tentative, tentatively take some sort of a step because we're stuck. So we decided to adopt domestically. So, um, uh, when was it? I guess it was two summers ago. We filled out all the paperwork and we, um, we had a prepared dossier for, an, for a domestic adoption, but we knew we didn't want an, a newborn. We wanted more of a toddler, but we weren't going through the foster care system. So, you know, not a lot of toddlers come up for private adoption, um, but we were paper ready. We were ready to say yes to any situation. And um, then randomly, I got this email um, from a waiting child list that I had never seen before. And it said, waiting child Sawyer. And... Uh, if we, if our second daughter, if our first daughter had been a boy, we were going to name her Sawyer. It was just a name I always loved and we'd never used. And so because of that name, I clicked the link. I was like, oh, Sawyer, I love that name. So I opened the link and it was this perfect little Chinese boy. And um, I was just immediately drawn to him. And so I sent it to Lee and I was like, I know this is like out of left field, but um, 
here's a little boy and his name is, they're calling him Sawyer. And isn't that weird? And look at him, he's adorable. And what should we do? And Lee was like, well, let's see if he's available. So, I mean, already I'm floored because my husband's like driving this train. And so um, we just tentatively, same thing. We just started taking steps, um, one step. And we just, and I just kept saying, Lord, if at any point you don't want us to do this, just shut it down. And I knew that he would, cause we'd been through that before. And, um, and nothing went faster than this adoption. Um, everything went so quickly that from the time we submitted our interest in Sawyer to the day we picked him up was exactly 10 months. Um, wow. wow. Which is crazy for an international adoption. Um, and the whole way I just kept going, okay, Lord, if, if you don't want this, shut it down. I don't want to, to be outside your will. Um, and you know, and that whole time I kept going, China, really? I don't, I don't speak Chinese. I don't even like Chinese food. Like really China. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it was just, it, it was not at all what I thought it was going to be, you know, this was not my plan at all. And, um, and then we got to China and, um, once again, it was not at all what we thought it would be. Um, everything that we had been told about Sawyer's health, um, I wouldn't say was false, but had been grossly minimized. Um, he was a very, very sick little boy when we picked him up. He was three and a half years old and just 20 pounds. Um, he, he, was, he was so delayed um, and we had not at all been prepared for that. Um, he, he looked, sounded and acted like a six month old. And, um, and it was scary because this is not what we thought we were doing. We, we literally, we had a toddler bed set up at home. I'd brought coloring books. I'd brought Play-Doh. Um, I'd brought two tea clothing. Like I bought everything. We thought we were bringing home a three-year-old and we picked up a baby. Um, mm. And China was a very dark place for us. Um, there was just a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and a lot of questioning again of Lord what were you thinking when you called us into this and you know for me um, I, I just kept going back over all the prayers that I had prayed for so many years and saying did I did I miss something did I do something wrong did I pray something wrong and um, and you know my husband was struggling with his own anxieties and fears in the process. And, um, I felt very under attack in China to the point where, um, I was fearful for my family and for my marriage. It was, it was so scary. It's the, it's the first time in my life I've tangibly felt like we were being attacked mm -hmm. and, um, I've never felt prayer so powerfully as I did then we had, you know, you guys and, and others and, um, church members and family members praying for us and calling us. And um, were it not for prayer, I truly don't know what would have happened. Um, it was just very, very scary. Um, and we, but we made it home with this little boy who was not what we expected. Um, and the Lord is teaching us once again, a whole new way of praying, of how to pray with hope, of how to pray with expectation but without demand. Um, and so Lord, just praying um, for all the good things that he has planned for Sawyer, all the good things that he can do for Sawyer. 
we are now a special needs family. We, we didn't ever plan on that. We weren't prepared for that, but that's what we are now. Um, and the Lord is teaching us and using that to teach our, now our four older kids, what it means to pray, what it means to rejoice, what it means to look for miracles. Um, the, the smallest things are miracles to us now. And, and we should always be living that way. But um, the Lord has, has called us into a whole new journey that we weren't prepared for. And that we hadn't been praying for, but here we are. Yeah, that just gets me all emotional again. Even knowing the story, hearing um, the power of prayer to just get you home um, from from this dark place. Um, and we mean dark place spiritually that you were in while you were gone. But um, And the way to watch you, how your family has grown and changed with the addition of Sawyer. It just gets me emotional again, because it's so beautifully a picture of taking what God gives you and using it for his glory and, and knowing that his plan is good, even when it's really hard and not at all what you expected. And you guys live that out every day and it's beautiful to see. And I love seeing your older kids you know, being the, being family to Sawyer and, um, how all of you have just embraced him and loved him and his smile. You ha- we were talking about Annika earlier, but his smile is just lights up every picture I see. And I'm sure you, you feel that in your home as well. And, um, God knew what he was doing here. And I'm sure even in those times where we don't know, we have to keep saying he knows what he's doing. He knows what mm-hmm. he's doing, and there's a reason for this. So I love your story. It, it was such a long journey, and it's not over yet, but it's beautiful to see how God has used you and Lee and your family um, and grown you through it. So um, as we wrap up today, Kelly, mm-hmm. we like to talk about praying um, verses or just what we're praying for our kids. So can you tell us a verse or a passage from the Bible or a specific prayer that you're praying for Sawyer or even for your other children or both, if you have that. Um, Yeah. Offhand, I'm going to totally blow the verse reference. It's in Isaiah. Um, But the, the Lord over this entire journey, really since 2012, when we started pursuing Russia to now, the Lord has really been teaching me a lot about what it means to hope, to put your hope in the Lord. And um, the idea that hope is slow the Lord just sort of put that phrase on my heart actually when I was in Tanzania in 2012 and it, and it ended up being this sort of life message that hope is, is slow. Sometimes it's a process and the things that we hope for take time. Um, but the Lord is working for our good in the waiting. And there's a verse in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 63. Um, I'm not totally sure. I can't remember right now, but it talks about, um, you know, he's talking about, Israel and how he's going to bring Israel back and reestablish Israel. And it says, um, the Lord will accomplish it in its time. Mm -hmm. And it's that idea that the Lord will do what he says he's going to do in its time. Um, and sometimes you just have to wait and in the waiting, what is the Lord doing? Um, as we wait for the Lord to, 
um, work miracles. And, and we do believe we are trusting that the Lord is going to work miracles. You know, we're praying, um, we're praying that he learns to walk. We're praying and believing that he learns to talk. Um, we have, we have big hopes and big dreams for him, but, um, they are not going to happen fast. And so in the praying, he is strengthening us. Um, he's renewing our hope every day. And I believe he'll accomplish, accomplish it in its time. And, um, and he gets the glory for that. He gets the praise for that. And so um, to anyone that, that is in a season of waiting um, and that feels like the waiting is taking forever, um, that doesn't mean that the Lord's not working. It doesn't mean that the Lord's not hearing. It just means that he's going to accomplish it in its time, that his purpose is perfect. His will is perfect. He knows what he's doing and he knows where you are and he will accomplish his goals for you in their due time. That's a really beautiful way to wrap things up and, and bring closure. Thank you again so much, Kelly, for joining us today. I would love it because I know you have a new book coming out soon. Um, I would love it if you would take just a second to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and your writing. Um, how do they connect with you? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram. I'm at Kelly Stewart author and I update that pretty regularly. And then uh, kellystewart.com, you can find, you know, where my books are. And um, because, you know, I'm busy right now, I don't update that website very well. <laughs> but that is where you can find new books and new information. And then you can keep up with me on Instagram until I get my act together in other ways. So... <laughs> Great. All right. Well, that's it for today, friends. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.